When I used to drive around with dad in the car as a kid, I didn't really know what was going on, but he'd just be doing his thing, whatever he's handing over, he's handing over, I had no idea. It's not until I got older and the house started getting kicked through with arm police that I realised he was like doing arm robberies, running around on my pedal bike, selling all £10 and £20 drawers. As the months and years went by, things were just getting bigger and bigger. All started with, there was a massive group of us on the estate, at least 20 to 30 of us would get together. And the little gang stuff started probably in about 2002. It was called Old Trey One or G Street or like Wandsworth Road. We started having some crazy shootouts. It's a summer's night. I remember my brother's in these flip flops. You hear the motorbike revving. I kind of knew what was going on at the same time, but there was nowhere to kind of run. You heard just heard pop, 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 pop. It's definitely a machine gun. The amount of, the amount of um, noise will come out of that thing was absolutely mad and um, I just remember my brother going oh so I think the first shot has hit my brother and his Achilles so that one's dropped him the other shots hit my power I've managed to get away I've got to the bottom of this hill but I'm already behind the dustbin but I'm on the phone to the ambulance already I'm like yeah because I thought my brother's dead at this point he's laying on the floor so I'm on the phone to the ambulance I'm like you need to come and get my brother he's dead this is where we are on Wandsworth Road I just put the phone down as soon as um, I put the phone down, the motorbike stopped right dead on my brother, carried on shooting him while he's on the floor. But as soon as I knew the obo was off, I've gone to look at a bit of work up in Surrey. I see the geezer get out of the van. I was like, oh my fucking God. This geezer was a fucking unit. I'm like, this is gonna be a problem. And obviously my colleague looked at me and said, do you wanna do it? I said, of course I'm gonna fucking do it. Like, I've got a doodah in my hand now. I'm, I'm gonna fucking do it. So as soon as I got out, he's got out of his van to go and fill up the cash machine. I've got out of the car, and as I've got out of the car, he's spotted me, and I've stuck the gun to him, like to hand over the cassette, and then he's actually swung for me. He's actually swung the cassette, but where I'm doing boxing at this time, so I've kind of rolled it, and I've gun bucked him. I'm telling you from now, even though I've got a guilty or whatever for it, I didn't pull the trigger. I'm not going to shoot someone for 40 quid. Welcome back to KRN TV, where we're bringing the most exciting interviews from around the world. Today, delighted to be in South London with an exceptional interview. This is one that I'm really excited about. It's uh, an exclusive one. He's never told his story before. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Lewis Clark. Lewis, how are we doing? I'm doing all right. Anxiety's going a bit mad right now, but let's, let's get this cracking, man. Well, you're going to do well. So Lewis has just come out of uh, jail after serving a massive sentence, but I'm not going to spoil it. Um, his story is absolutely insane. We're talking armed robberies, shootings, prison, um, family involved in this and that, and just so much more. Um, but without further ado, let's get into it. So, Lewis, um, we'd like to go back to the start of all our guests. So tell us a little bit about sort of where you're from and your sort of family settings. Um, have you always been in South London? Whereabouts have you brought up? I've always been in South London, Battersea area, Wandsworth Road. Obviously, I've got a big family around um, the Bats area. I've got two brothers. Um, live with my mum and dad growing up. 
Um, yeah, so that's, that's that's my family anyway. And were your brothers older or younger? Yes, I got I got one older brother. Uh, I got a little brother, but my little brother's nothing like me and the older brother. He's a little gamer and that just chills on his computer and that and just does his thing. So he, he sort of learned from uh, your mistakes and your brother. I'm, I'm very mistakes. happy he did. Yeah, I'm so very my happy little brother, did. thank God. And so just talk a little bit about um, sort of schooling and how did you get on in school? Um, we do well at, do, do you do well at school? Um, do you know at school? School wasn't that great for me. I was one of them guys, I was quiet. I was like the quiet, angry kid. So... Um, more time I'd sit in the classroom and just put, get my nut down and have a little kip. Um, I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't have a great time. Um, I felt like the teachers used to kind of pick on me because I didn't know the answers to the questions and that like, they'd always say, oh, Lewis, like, what's the answer to this? And that would cause me to want to pick the chair up and throw it in his head. Because he knows fair well I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. So um, I didn't go to school much. So I literally had about two years of secondary school. Is it what you just left? And didn't yeah, I didn't do no exams. I missed like year eight and nine, half a year ten, done a bit of year eleven, mm. and that was that was my education for me. So that point in life, though, uh, when you were sort of twelve, thirteen, what did you want to be when you were older? Did you have any like, aspirations, jobs, or anything like this, or perfect career? And... Well, um, as a kid, everyone wants to be a footballer or a boxer. Um, I used to play a lot of football. And um, I used to enjoy boxing, although I'd done is more football that I'd play. My dad would take me on the weekends. That's when he wasn't in prison or whatever. And um, I used to go, actually I used to go to Fitzroy's Lodge a couple of times as a kid. Um, but yeah, f football for me was what I wanted to be. And so you mentioned there your dad being in jail. Um, so what age was were you when you first knew he was in jail? And at what age? Uh, dad, dad's been in and out of prison my whole life. But one thing I say about my dad, he's been in and jail, in and out of jail my whole life. But I've never ever gone without birthdays, Christmases. I've always got everything I needed. And so, were your parents together um, when you were younger as a child? Yeah, they was together. Yeah. And then as I started getting older, like, it's like on and off where my dad would be in and out of prison. Yeah. So that became that become kind of normal to me, not to have uh, dad around or you know them to be separated and stuff. And so, did you know what crimes your dad was going to jail for when you were a child? Not really. It's just when I used to um, when I used to drive around with dad in the car as a kid. I didn't really know what was going on, but he'd just be doing his thing, whatever he's handing over, he's handing over. I had no idea. It's not until I got older and the houses started getting kicked through with armed police that I realised he was like doing armed robberies and things like that. And um, were you going to visit him in jail as a child? Yeah, mum would drag me on like the trains and buses and like the tubes to like whatever prison we need to be. That was a very stressful time, actually, getting dragged on the buses. I actually hated it. Mm. Did you not like the prison visits as well? Or was it... No, as soon as I see dad, I'd always enjoy seeing my dad. Like, me and my dad are proper close. He's more like my big brother. Um, yeah, I love my dad. Mm. And um, so how about yourself, obviously, when you stopped going to school? Were you starting being on the streets and getting into trouble and stuff like this? Um, so, yeah, when I left school... I kind of knew I wasn't working, you know, like growing up and not seeing mum and dad work, it's, it seemed kind of normal, so um, me getting a job in Asda's or somewhere like that, I've got, I've got a story actually, one of the reasons why I didn't get a job, I went for a job interview at Asda's when I was 16 years old, there was eight people at this interview, there were six spaces available to get a job, so you would think I'm going to get a job here, like I'm, 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 a, I'm a like athletic, strong young fella, I was one of the two who didn't get a job in Asda's, and from that, it put me off ever applying for a job ever again. 
So as this was my last ever job I applied for. Yes, yeah, so there's never been any legit jobs. No, no. I, I remember I'd done two days removals. Yeah. I didn't even go back and collect my wages. So I basically done it for no reason. They gave me some check thing. I didn't even know how to cash it. I think it's like 170 quid for the two days work or something. Yeah. Um, I do, it's never been cashed. I don't even know where it is now. I've lost it. But I just got, I just, I just started cracking on with selling weed. Just fell into the streets. I just fell, in, fell into the streets and um, I was actually enjoying it, having a pretty good lifestyle from a very young age. And was your older brother involved? Did he sort of lead the path for you? Yeah, me and my brother, was doing, we used to do very well as like young little 15 and 17 year old kids. We used to do very, very well around the Batsy area. Um, so yeah, I was just running, running around on my pedal bike, selling little £10 and £20 drawers. As the months and years went by, things were just getting bigger and bigger. Just had myself a little, little moped to get about on. Then I moved on to a nice car. Bought a massive chain, chops. Me and my brother's doing very well. We had a, we had a very good living. Indeed. And what about um, sort of first brushes with the law then? Any arrests uh, or anything? Yeah, yeah, little story for you. Uh, you know, I was, I was a keen football player. We had, a, um, we had a little local team on our estate and um, we were training twice a week. We were all saving up so we can um, get a little football kit. And one day, um, I don't know what happened, but I got the blame for something. Um, someone's, someone's done the football manager in the head with a snooker ball. And um, I, I got charged for it. I got nicked for it. Um, that is my first ever charge from, from the local police. Uh, it was Alistair, PC Bottomley's the one who got me for that one. Took me to court, Ballam Youth Court. And um, lucky enough, there was actually some witnesses there who actually see this incident take place. And they actually see that it wasn't me who's done the football manager with the snooker ball or whatever. So thank God, yeah. like the, the judge, he'd done the right thing and, and acquitted me from that. But that was my first ever charge as a GBH. Well, hopefully he learned not to substitute you or start you on the bench. Oh, mate. You know what I mean? Do you know what's annoying? Was that the end of your football career? Do you know what I mean? Do you know what used to annoy me? I'm, like, I always see myself as a goal scorer. They kept putting me in defence. I'm not a defender. Put me up front. I score goals. That's what I do, isn't it? But they want to put me in defence. Well, hopefully he learned his lesson. Yeah, whatever he'd done, he'd done. I don't know. Okay, so you mentioned, obviously, you were sort of falling into the streets, doing all the... Um, into the drugs and start to make a little bit of money. Was it? Were you falling into the gang stuff at the same time? Um, yeah, yeah. And talk to me about what that was like. Was it just a case of all of you hanging out on the streets together? Then they that sort of forms the basis of a gang. Yeah. So it? Um, it all started with there's, there was a massive group of us on the estate. At least twenty to thirty of us would get together. Well, I'd, I've never been a smoker. I don't smoke or do drugs, but I'd have occasional drinks and stuff. It just started like that. And the little gang stuff started probably in about 2002 when yep. um, we used to have a lot of beef trouble with the other side, which is like the Stockwell and Brixton area. It's literally one road that separates us. But um, we started having some crazy shootouts. Not that I was part of any shootouts, but um, there was a lot of crazy shootouts going on. Someone's dying over this side. Someone's dying over that side. Mm. People's lives were getting lost. People was getting... People getting birded, people getting 30 years, 33s, 24s. A lot of my friends are doing life sentences now. A lot of my friends ain't here. It's like, where does it stop? Of course. And did uh, your gang, or you a part of, have a name? Was... Oh, yeah. So on our side, it was called Old Trey One or G Street or like Wandsworth Road. And the other side on that side was called like Hotspot. And um, it's literally one road what separates us. It's absolutely ridiculous why the... 
the beef even started in the first place. No one don't even know why we're beefing. Fucking hell. Did you grow up with these people as well? So you knew them all from school and stuff like some, that? Some of, the, some of them I knew. Some of them from the other side I actually knew. We used to like ride our mopeds and that together. But where they don't fuck with certain ones on this side and certain ones don't fuck with them ones on that side, it's like everyone chose their sides now. Yeah. And um, so did you ever get hurt in any of this gang stuff at any point? Any, did, did you ever get stabbed or, sh- or anything like this? I've, been, I've nearly been shot at least five times. At least five times I've nearly been shot. Um I've seen a couple of my friends been shot when I've been stood with them. Yeah. Lucky enough, I've managed to avoid. Uh, one occasion, my brother did actually get shot. Um, that's a bit of a mad one. So can we talk about that and that, how that happened? Yeah, that's a bit of a mad one because that still like bugs me to this day. It's just like walking on um, on Monsworth Road. It's a summer's night. I remember my brother's in these flip-flops. You hear the motorbike revving. I kind of knew what was going on at the same time, but there was nowhere to kind of run. So the bike started revving. You heard just heard pop, 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 pop. It's definitely a machine gun. The amount of, the amount of um, noise that come out of that thing was absolutely mad. And um, I just remember my brother going, oh! So I think the first shot has hit my brother and his Achilles. So that one's dropped him. The other shots hit my power, my other power. I'm not really going to mention his name, but he's been hitting the shoulder. He's been hitting a uh, little, little bit of his fingers been shot off, and I've managed to get away. I've got to the bottom of this hill, but I'm already behind the dustbin. But I'm on the phone to the ambulance already. I'm like, yeah, because I thought my brother's dead at this point. He's laying on the floor, so I'm on the phone to the ambulance. I'm like, you need to come and get my brother. He's dead. This is where we are on Wandsworth Road. I just put the phone down. As soon as um, I put the phone down, the motorbike stopped to right dead on my brother. Carried on shooting him while he's on the floor. Is it fucking hell? Yeah, they carried on shooting him while he's on the floor. But I thought he was dead. It's not until I heard, oh, oh. I thought, oh, shit. He's still breathing. So I got to my brother now. I started taking all his clothes off so I could, like, cover him and cover up all the holes and stuff and bleeding out and stuff like that. I just remember rolling my brother over. He must have had a big wad of money in his pocket. And the first thing he said was, Lou, make sure you take my money out of my pocket. I'm like, just been shot five times, like. So I just laid on him, covered him to the ambulance, got there. Um... The police arrived. The police didn't really even say much, to be honest. They don't even question me. They don't ask what I see. Um, they don't ask if I'm all right. They don't ask nothing whatsoever. It was, that's the only thing they said, oh, are you going to go over there now and shoot them? That's the only thing they said to me. Crazy. Crazy. And so, obviously, there wasn't even any question marks about who or why. It was obviously this other side. These were the only people yeah. you were sort of beefing with at that time. Um, and so, without getting yourself... In trouble or anyone else, I'm sure there was paybacks and there was stuff that happened. There was back. a lot of things going on now. Um, so after that, there was more shootouts going on in between. There was another occasion when I was standing roughly in the same sort of area where my brother got shot. The bouncer's been shot straight through his head, literally a oh. foot away from me. So all on, all on the same road. Yeah, it's an innocent bouncer just standing there. Obviously, the bullets are um, meant for us lot. Yeah. Like, he's been shot straight through the head. Poor fucker. He's gone straight through his nut. And I remember just looking at him, and I had to actually walk over his body and went straight back into the little pub and jumped over the bar and that. I was thinking, this ain't right. This ain't right. But it's not until later on in my years, like, these little things start catching up with you. Like, you start getting, like, when motorbikes pull up next to me, I start getting mad anxiety and just want to drive straight into them and that. Cool. So, obviously, that's going to cause uh, crazy PTSD, isn't it, from something like that? Um, 
And so did your brother and your friend make a full recovery? They made a full recovery. My brother walks with a slight little limp, but he's still breathing. He's still got a smile on his face. And my other pal, he's sweet as. Thank the Lord. Yeah, thank God for that. And has your brother and your friend managed to get away from the gang sort of stuff? Yeah, they, everyone's kind of started growing out of it now, you know? It's like, even me being in prison, I've bumped into a lot of these kids in prison. And it's not until like months and months go go by and you're on the same wing with these people and you think, do you know what? My man's actually all right. Yeah. Like, obviously, I didn't chat to them at first, but as months and months go by and you have to keep seeing each other's face, like, yeah, cool. Then you start having, I started having conversations with these people and thinking, do you know what? All this was ridiculous. Like, what was over was absolute stupidness. Yeah, so talk about prison then. Obviously, you mentioned going to prison. You end up going to prison for the first time in 2005. Is that yeah. correct? And um, can we talk about what that was for, Liz? Yeah, so that was 2005. I got nicked for a, um, a cash and transit robbery in Streatham. It was actually going into, um, he was delivering into Streatham Old train station. It's, uh, it's absolutely stupid. So I got a three-year sentence for it. So basically, he's going in to fill up a, um, to fill up a cash machine inside the, um, inside the train station. So me and one of my pals, we just crept up behind him. And as he's going into the train station, He's gave him a little rib shot and he's taken the, the cash cassette. But as, as we've taken the cash cassette, we didn't realise the London tube bombings were going off around about the same time. So all train stations were on high alert. So we've taken this cash box and looked up and there's about 20 armed police already there. By this time, I've already got the cash box in my hand. I'm like, oh my God. I've turned around, started running. I've had to frisbee the box at them. I've actually got away from the police. As I got to the side road where my car was meant to be, the getaway car, whatever you want to call it, the driver wasn't in the car. My driver was not in the car. I've had to carry on running and I was just basically running nowhere. I don't know where the driver was at the time, but um, yeah, I ended up getting nicked literally about 60 yards up the road. Is Yeah, so I've got three years for that. So uh, the driver's let down. Driver, you know who we are. Driver, you know who you are. You've done me dirty, man. You've got me a free, man. And uh, so talk to me. You said, obviously, before that you were earning money in the streets. You were selling a little bit of weed and all this sort of stuff. What led to you end up trying to do this um, robbery? Why would you do this? How would you do this? Was, I don't know what. I'm I've, guessing it's the first time, but why would... Like, that was the first time, yeah. I found it all exciting. You know, like, by this time, I know, my, I know what my dad's about now. And I always look up to my dad. Like, no matter what he's done, been in prison, whatever, I think my dad's like Superman to me. So I looked up to him at this point. And it's the excitement as well, you know, just knowing, you know, like these cash boxes, you just don't know how much you're going to get inside them, you know, so it's like Russian roulette, you might get like a 20 grand in this one or a 10 grand or you might be pissed and you might get a box full of coins, you just don't know. Yeah, of course. So how did you sort of, I know it's quite, sounds quite obvious, obviously going to do one of these robberies, but did anyone sort of teach you or like the ropes or anything like this? No. One thing I will say, my dad is always... He's, he's always tried to make me avoid it. My dad's told me from, from a kid, like, get a, get a fucking trade, Lou. That's what you need to do. Get a fucking trade. He's always tried to push me the other way. Mm. But him trying to push me the other way and he's not doing it, I'm thinking, kind of should be leading by example sort of thing. So why am I doing it? But I wish I listened to you, Dad. So I'm sorry for that. I wish I listened to you. So like you said, you ended up getting a three-year sentence for that then? Yeah, so I've done. And so this was 2005. So how old were you at this point, Lou? 17 I'd have years been ago? 19, maybe 18. 19. And so where did you get sent then? Uh, we went from... Oh, were you in Ramon, sorry? No, 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 no. 
Uh, yeah, I went straight to prison. Yep. Yeah, remand. I've got a um, three-year three year sentence. I went straight to Feltham. Yeah. I went straight to Feltham induction, induction wing, Kingfisher, me and my Cody. He just finds everything funny. Ian, he just actually laughs at absolutely everything. Any The worst situation, my man would just be laughing all the time. So me and Ian went Feltham together. From Feltham. And how was it, obviously, your first initial... Uh days in jail then obviously not something that you've experienced before obviously you've been on a few visits and the only the only good thing as soon as I got an induction wing I had friends already in Felton so I had my, my friend Gotti was there my other friend L. so I got there and they made me settle in pretty good you know I was thinking it felt like a youth club mm. it felt like I was back at a youth club or something like that and so it wasn't too tough then obviously having your friends there and that they sort of no, where I kind of had a little name for myself already, prison was kind of plain sailing for me. It's pretty easy. So no one tried to test you or anything like this in there? You didn't end up having to have any fights? We had a, little, had a little disagreement with my pal's brother in Feltham. Um, I'm probably going to see you tonight at some point. We're friends now, by the way. We had a little disagreement on the wing and we had a little fight over the pool table. I don't want to get into too much detail, but we had a little... It's a minor little disagreement. A minor little disagreement over the pool table, yeah. So did you end up doing any courses or anything like that when you were in there in that first oh, sentence? Oh yeah, or? so from Feltham, we went to uh, Portland. That was a pretty rough, rough jail. And I'd done a course called is ETS. And was this in, was this in Young Offenders? Yeah. This was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I've heard the Young Offenders are a little bit more rowdy, like you say. Definitely. And so what was this course then, the ETS uh, course? ETS is called like Enhanced Thinking Skills. So it teaches you like about red flags and um, what to avoid and things like that. Hmm. And so did you see any benefit in it? Or? I, when I first done it, it was weird because it was, for certain individuals, it's not a good course. Because for me at first, when I done it, I was thinking, next time I do a robbery, I need to avoid doing this then. It was helping me more, making me more clued up for another robbery. True. So it, it won't help everyone. So you weren't in jail then thinking about changing your ways, unfortunately, that first little stretch. Like you said, you've gone in there, you've got a load of friends in there, it's quite easy, it's just a youth club and that. Yeah. At that point, I'm sure you didn't have any daughter or anything like this, and so it was... Didn't have no responsibilities. And so do you end up, um, obviously, was it just felt in Portland? Did you get released yeah, went, from Portland? No, I got released from Rochester, so I went to Portland, uh, done an ETS course there. Um, literally, I only had one fight there. One fight there, and it was some disagreement in education. Think someone threw a bit of paper on my back, and then on the uh, free flow on the way back, obviously I had to sort him out, innit? Uh, that was a disrespectful man for a bit of paper in my head. Yeah. So yeah, we had to, had to we had to sort that out, and I went block for that or whatever. Then got moved to another wing. And what was your first experience of the block like then? I was like, this is long. This is like actually hard times, like. But I was only in there for like three days or something, and then I got moved back to a normal wing. But that's real prison, though, isn't it? When you're in the block. Oh, yeah, no, that yeah. That's, it's tough times. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's all long. It's all long. And so, um, obviously, you've ended up getting released from uh, Rochester then. And how long did you end up serving of the free? I've done 18, 18 months. 18 months out of it. 18 months. And so, you've ended up being released in um, 2006, was this? Yeah, something like summer of 06 or something like that. Okay. And so, talk to me about what you got into then when you first came out then and so weren't well, trying to think about getting a job or going legit or anything I'll like I'll be this. honest, there was no plans on getting a job when I come out after that. I was back grafting with the, uh, the cannabis weed, whatever you want to call it. And back in the gang life? Yeah, back with all the boys, 
fucking by this time these lot are just doing mad shootouts a couple of the boys already been sentenced to 18 year sentences crusty gozy actually home in a few years as well imagine that crazy did you end up ever losing any friends in the streets any of your friends get killed yeah a couple yeah. of my little friend mischief r.i.p yeah it's... rest up mate so it's crazy, but um, unfortunately, you only ended up being out for a really short period, wasn't it? How long were you out for? I was out for like two weeks, maybe three weeks. You're joking, that short of period. Bro, it's all long. I'm just trying to make some money now. I'm coming out, I need some dough again. Like, And by this time, a few of the boys were selling weed. I thought, you know what, I need to crack on and start selling weed again. But I started getting bigger bits of food and that. I was out for fucking two weeks. And imagine, I'm at my door, but I've got a gate on my door, innit? I'm on Obo. I don't know this. I'm on Obo. They put you on Obo straight, straight away. away. I've only been out two weeks. So I've got to get, I'm, I'm in a gated house now. The police have set up over there. One of my pals has come to my house. He, I think he wanted like a 200 kilo of weed or something like that. I've put my hand through the gate. He, he's, I, he's, I gave, him the, gave him the green. He's gave me the money. Literally about five minutes later, I think it might have been my uncle. His phone was like, Lou, your pal's been stopped outside the block. He's getting searched. I, I know I've, what I've just gave him. So I've just packed up whatever else I've got in the house and I've done a run around the back. Literally 10 minutes later, my whole house got raided. They just found literally a, a set of scows. And I don't know if you know what boxes, boxes of weed look like or whatever. I had empty packets or whatever. And that's all they got. But when they got to court, I got done for supplying. So I got t they gave me 10 months for basically two ounces of weed. And the person I gave it to got a 70 pound fine. Crazy. And how did they manage to... Um put it onto you then? Was it your fingerprints on the thing? Um, no, they, they had a camera evidence of me passing it through the gate. Oh my God. So I had to go guilty. There was no denying that one. So he just got a £70 fine. I got a quick 10 months recall back back to prison. And so why did they, do you think they put you, you on Obo um, as soon as you left? Do you think it was, were you quite a significant member in the game? Because um, you... on my state, there's literally about five white guys and probably we're around about another 30 black guys. So we're, we're going to stand out. And was your brother quite a significant player within the gang stuff? Yeah, I think he enjoyed it more than me, to be honest. Whereas I was more making money. He was making money as well. He's doing very well, but he loved all that sort of stuff. Whereas I get on with everyone, mm. you know. So, so crazy. So, so literally out for literally a couple of weeks, and then straight back. Did you get remanded straight away for this one again? Yeah, straight remand. To Lucky, where? I went to Wandsworth, but I was happy because I had five hundred pound in my pocket as well. So I at least had some uh, spends for my canteen and that. So I was, I was up. I was, yeah, it was right. And so talk to me, was uh, Wandsworth just as easy as the first time in jail? Wandsworth Did you have lots of friends in there and stuff? Wandsworth was home. Like, as soon as I got there... So that's your local Yeah, this, yeah. As soon as I got there, I was. it was nice. It was patterned. It's mad, actually, because the fella I had the altercation with in Feltham on the first occasion, he was in Wandsworth, and it's my pal's brother. But by this time, me and him built a relationship. We're friends now. So as I got there, he's gave me a, gave me a phone and that. I was living all right, I had my phone, I can sit at my cell and do what I'm doing, you know. And so, um, at this point now, did it, was there any sort of change in of the mindset, or was it still, I've been unlucky, straight back to crime, there wasn't any intentions of legit stuff or anything like this? No, it's, like, it's, it, obviously the thought was there to go legit, but I knew it was never going to happen. Of course. It wasn't happening. Well, obviously it can at a certain point, hopefully it will now. Um, it will. And so then you've ended up, obviously, how long did you serve of the 10 months, 5 months? No, I've done, done the 10 months. 
Why was but, that misbehaving in there, or what was no? Going you got to do. Your, I had to do like the full rest rest of my license or whatever. But oh, okay. What happened was I don't want to go too deep into it, but I, I had another court case going on. Well, I got charged for something else. Obviously, I got not guilty for it, that, but that's a story for another day. So I ended up doing another eighteen months on remand for that anyway. So what, just straight following from yeah, that yeah, thing. straight on, straight following. I, I don't get back out, so I come back out two thousand and nine. Two thousand and nine, and so you must have been. Obviously, we're not going to go into any details, but you must be relieved. It was a serious charge you managed to um, beat, and yeah. you're back on the streets. 2009. Yeah. What's the mindset? What's Lewis up to? What the are you mindset. Doing? My head is fried right now. I just come out of Belmarsh. Uh, so you've done quite a bit of time then at this point. Cause you've ended up doing the year and a half. Then you've done pretty much two years. You've pretty much done three and a half years continuously yeah, continuously other than a couple of weeks. Yeah, back to back. Yeah, I just come out of Belmarsh. Happy to be out. Um, uh, sorry, pause you. What's Belmarsh like then? Is that what? High security. It's a high security. It's like A cat, but it's got like a double A cat siding up for like the terrorists and all them sort of. And people. so, what was that like in there then? That must have been serious in there, isn't it? Was it a bit more daunting? Or it's like, more? yeah, no. It's like no one's doing less than twenty years and stuff in there. Like, it's it's mad. I remember they had me in a workshop there with um, with packing breakfast packs. So you get like five sugars, five tea bags, and maybe a pack of cornflakes and some. Coffee whiteness, and you got to seal it. I, that sh hey, that job was long. That job was long. I swear to God, they had me grafting in there. Mm, but you know, when you're in there, and, that, and like you say, every, there's no one serving less than twenty in there. Yeah. That must have made you scared. Obviously, when you had a serious case coming up, um, and you, you must be thinking. And on top of that, are you a little bit more cautious about upsetting someone who's got a twenty-year sentence? And everyone's a serious fellow on the way. You have to be a little bit more. Do you know what's crazy? It seemed normal for people to talk about their sentences. It seemed they, like a lot of them wasn't phased by it. Like I'm like, this is fucking mad. My man's doing a thirty, and you're young and at this point. You're not even thirty. So when you're like, hearing these sentences, maybe I'm like maybe like twenty one, twenty two at the time. I think. And so that must have just been crazy in there then. Yeah, but I like I had friends there as well. Like I said, I've got friends all over the country in different jails. So every jail I went to, I've always had at least two or three friends in each one. Well, this is. A a blessing, I suppose, in itself at the time. So thank the Lord, obviously, you've ended up beating this charge. You're back on the streets. It's 2009. Again, was it straight back to the streets, the gang, the drugs? I was trying to chill out for a bit. I was trying to chill for a bit, but, um, yeah, um, funds were a bit low. So I had to kind of pick up, pick up where I left off and stuff, started selling weed again. And so um, I know in 2009 you've ended up being stabbed up. Um, where was this? I got stabbed in the weirdest place. I was, imagine that. It's not even in South London. I'm in fucking Reading. I'm in Reading in a nightclub. Is it Rano or Mango? Why were you in Reading of all places? Uh, I know you said you're a nightclub, but why were I you in I think my, fr my friend Foster had a baby mum up there, innit? So um, we went up there for a night out with him and um, his friends up there. I remember me and my pal Debo, we've ended up beating up the bouncers in there. But I think one of his little, the bouncers little brother and that was outside. So when we got outside, they're trying to move to me, but I just got it cracking with them straight away. I just started, I just started punch, like punching people in the face. But what I didn't realise when I'm doing that, I'm being stabbed in the back and that. There's like only, only little little things in my back, but it's not until I got it back in the cab and I'm sitting in the cab thinking, why is my who threw a drink at me? I thought my back was all wet. Who threw a drink at me? But it's literally the blood dripping down me. But I'm not good with blood. So as soon as I went like that, I'm like, yep. I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just pass out. I'll, pass that I'll, shit. I can't do blood. I can't do needles. can't do injections. Same as me. I can't look at needles and nothing like that. Yeah. And so, um, was it deep? Was it a bad cut or anything like nah, that? No, no, it wasn't that bad. Did you go to hospital? A, yeah, I went to hospital. I got like four stitches in it. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad at all. 
So you're a little bit more cautious about going down to Reading again then? Fuck Reading. Fuck Reading, man. No, I'm joking. Reading's all right. So it must be in one of these things maybe where you thought um, it's a bit soft country sort of ends and that, and it's obviously... Mm. Um, Reading can be quite serious at the same time. Yeah, it's not, it's not just London anymore, mate. Of course, everywhere, isn't it? Spreading out, getting further and further. So that's happened to you pretty much as soon as it's coming out, you've ended up getting stabbed up, but then you've ended up obviously recovering... You're in the streets, shot, and so talk to me about what you're up to then around 2009. You're obviously back in South London back with South the gang. London, the gang shit's still going on crazy. Gang shit's still going on. It's, it's still like, it's all going off. But by this time, I started getting myself back in the, back in the gym training. It's doing a bit of boxing, like a bit of white collar boxing and stuff. Hopefully, I'll get to share a couple of videos with you later yeah, or something. Nice. But yeah, I was just selling weed and that. And, but this time, I started looking at like, um, I started looking at the cash brands and that again. Like, they was like, I don't know, they're just tickling my fancy and that. You know, like I started having like sleepless nights over them. You know, when you're just driving about and you just see them at a petrol station and they're just filling up a cash machine or something. I'm just thinking, fucking, I was going to be there next Tuesday doing the same thing. And you know, farewell, that's probably going to have 100 quid in, you yeah. know, in that cash machine. So even if you just take one cassette, you'll probably get like 20 or 40 grand or whatever. I was having sleepless nights over these things. Yeah. Like it got that bad. Really, I should have went, went to the doctors because I was having sleepless nights. Over these things, knowing I shouldn't, I shouldn't be doing these anyway. So yeah, I started watching these. And so you weren't the, the weed and stuff like this wasn't enough. You just wanted the buzz I was of bored this. Of was, it. was it quite a big thing? Because obviously I'm from the, the country sideways, um, and people weren't really so much on these sort of cash boxes. It was quite a big thing in London. Were a lot of your friends doing it as well? Or? They was getting bang left, right, and centre. There was easy pickings. Even the little young kids on the little mopeds were doing them and that. But. By this time, what was it? I think 2011 now. I think like my daughter had a, my daughter was born. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, little Hallie. So he had to start grafting and. Did this change your mindset at all? Having a daughter, like maybe you have second thoughts about certain things that you might have. I didn't at the time. I'll be honest. I didn't at the time where all of this was kind of normal for me, like driving out, like delivering weed or whatever, looking at cash and transit vans. All this was kind of normal for me, you know. And so, were your um, around these times? Was your what was your dad up to? Were you? Dad was just my, actually. Dad was doing a finishing off a ten and a half year sentence for for, um, for armed robberies himself. Actually, yeah. yeah. And so, did your brother end up going to jail any times around yeah, these times? Yeah, my brother's been jail. Uh, he's been jail a couple for a couple of things. Um, that's probably one of his stories to tell. I don't really want to get into that, but he's been it for some big things. But yeah. Yeah, I leave that one there. So it's very much, um, you're very much from like a crime family, you might say. Then yeah, and it's sort of that's what the path was sort of set for you, wasn't it? As such, it was kind of set for me. Slowly as I've got older now, I realised I fucked up. Why didn't I listen to dad and go and get a trade? Of course, you're not the only one. Who thinks like there's this. still time for me. Of still course, time you're still young. And so, like I said, between 2011, your daughter's just been born, but unfortunately. You're getting bad urges, and you're looking at cash boxes. You know what's doing mad? Like the from, from like 2011 to maybe the end of 2012, I was on Obo again. I knew I was on Obo, and I used to record the police following me, and um, they used to park their vans outside my house, and they would leave it there for months at a time. You know, like so they got a little camera just facing at my door at all times and stuff. Jesus, and why would it, why do you think they were? had such a hard on for you was it there's a lot of intelligence behind the scenes about you yeah i think i think some little some little shit was probably giving my name in saying he's getting up to this getting up to that 
I wasn't getting up to nothing. I might have been doing a bit of weed at the time, but I wasn't doing no robberies or nothing. Um, you deeply involved with the gang though at this point? Um, I was around all my friends, but I wouldn't say I was deeply involved with them. I was still around all like the gang members and that, but it wasn't really for me, you know. If I was there and something kicked off, then I'm involved, but I wouldn't personally go out my way to go over to the other side and do something. That, that wasn't really me. But what if one of your friends gets hurt? Like you might not say you're a significant gang member, your your friends or your brother or something like this gets hurt, then unfortunately it leads to stuff, doesn't it? I'm it sure. It leads to stuff, yeah. So like I say, obviously. 2011, your dad's finishing off a stretch, you're up to all sorts of mischief, and um, so talk to me about, obviously, your dad, when did your dad get out then? Did he get out in 2012 or something? Dad got out, I think, yeah, two, I think 2011, 2012, I think dad got out. And did you, end, were you were you close at this point? Were you? Yeah, me and my dad's always been close, man, we're more like, uh, he's more like my older brother, like, I'd listen to him, not that I'd listen to everything, like, yep. like I said, he used to try and push him in to get a job and that, and I just wasn't interested. So your dad was a proper career criminal, would you say? Yeah. And so when he came out of jail, what was it he was getting into? Did you know, or were you no, sort dad of was separate? Al- dad, always, dad always used to try and keep me separated from absolutely everything, you know. But um, yeah, we used to drive. We used to drive around a lot. Sometimes we'd just go for a drive just so we can clear his head, you know, because I think he used to struggle on the outside where he's done so many so many years in the system. Part of me thinks that he actually wanted to be in prison. Like the way he used to move and stuff, and it's like he couldn't handle being outside. It's like he that's it's like he goes to prison to get a break. It's so weird. But I've never heard him moan once. Like he's done a ten, ten and a half year sentence. He's had an eight and a half year life sentence. Probably a seven and a half before that. I've never ever heard him moan about being in prison. It's like he's built for it. Crazy. It's uh, sad you get used to stuff, don't you? Quite. Mm. Like I say, I know a few people who get institutionalised because it's so easy to have things set out for you, isn't it? And it's everything's regimented and it's very easy. It happens. Like I'm still a little bit like that now. Like I'm, I'm in an AP hostel. It's like approved uh, premises for high risk prisoners because I'm high risk to the public at the moment. Still, like I keep calling the room there. I keep saying, "Yeah, I'm going back to my cell." If I phone one of my pals and be like, "Yeah, I'm just sitting in my cell," I'm not in a cell no more. I'm in a room, but I'm still adjusting to things. I've not even come onto all of this shit anyway, Crazy. but. Maybe. So, um, like I say, your dad's always tried to advise you or kept you away. You've not done committed crimes together, but unfortunately in 2013, do you want to talk about what's happened in 2013 and how it ended up happening, like, what went on? Um, I'll talk about my side. I can, I'm going to leave my dad's, my dad's bit out of it or whatever. But, um, yeah, so, so from, like, 11 to, like, 13, I was on Obo, so I knew police were watching me and stuff. But there was a couple of things that I wanted to do, you know, like there was some cash deliveries going on. I'm thinking, yeah, that's there. I'm going to go and bang that. But as soon as I knew the obo was off, I've gone to look at a bit of work up in Surrey, up in the um, Epsom area. Why there? There's a, there's, a, there's a little, decent little spot there called like Tatton Corner. Um, nice little location, nice little routes out. Not as many people as, around as you would get in London. Um, yeah, so I've watched it a few times, knew, knew how it went. Like, you start to learn the run, what time you get there, what run to hit. And do you know what's mad? You used to watch them, and you can look at the box, the cassette, and you can look and see the weight of it. So you can kind of know which one's going to be the 10,000 or the 20,000, 30 or the 40,000 one. It is, it is, it's absolutely mad. So you know cash boxes, obviously, 
What about the ink and stuff in it? Can they not set the ink off in these cash boxes and stuff like this? And if they do, can you still clean the money? Um, I don't know what you can do with all of that. Um, there's probably ways around things. I'm not too sure. Mm, all right. Um, and so, um, like I say, you're looking at this job in Epsom and you're actually looking at this with your dad. We don't. How did it turn out that you and your dad ended up being on something together? Um, obviously, you can't say it from your dad's side, but how did you end up being on a bit of work with your dad rather than the gang and your mates? And... A lot of my friends were more on selling drugs. I used to try and get them to um, jump on these sort of things, but there's more into selling drugs. And so you just wanted the excitement, and it must have been, must have been crazy to be going on a bit of work with your dad, innit? Or was it quite normal? Um, it just felt normal. Felt normal, you know. At least you know there's no there's no fucking grassing going on. Of course. And so then um, let's talk about the day then. Like I said, there's this job in Epsom. Yeah. You've been looking at it. You know the timings of everything like this. It's, You've got it all. Mate, do you know what? Yeah, so here's what happened. Like two weeks before the robbery, the geezer doing the cash drop-off, yeah? He was only a, he was a short geezer, little, little skinny geezer, like literally about this high. So I was thinking, this is going to be a right fucking touch. This is easy pickings, this one. So I've come back two weeks later to do it. I remember pulling up in the car. I see the geezer get out of the van. I was like, oh my fucking God. This geezer was a fucking unit. I'm like, this is going to be a problem. And obviously my Cody looked at me and said, do you want to do it? I said, of course I'm going to fucking do it. Like, I've got a doodah in my hand now. I'm, I'm going to fucking do it. So as soon as I got out, he's got out of his van to go and fill up the cash machine. I've got out of the car. And as I've got out of the car, he's spotted me and I've stuck the gun to him like to hand over the cassette. And then he's actually swung for me. He's actually swung the cassette. But where I'm doing boxing at this time. So I've kind of rolled it and I've gun bucked him. But when you're kind of panicking, you don't realise how many times you've hit someone. So I've hit him about three, maybe five times because I've knocked a few of his teeth out. It's not until I see the pictures after an interview and that I feel fucking hell like, why didn't he just give me the money? Because when, when you do these things, you don't plan on anyone getting hurt. Obviously, you might traumatise them, and that's bad enough as well. All you had to do is just give me the money. You lot are insured for the money. Just give me the money. Like He just wanted to have a full-on fight with me. Anyway, I've dropped him. I've knocked him out. I've had to, This geezer is so big. He must have been about 20 stone. I think he's an ex-British powerlifter. Something like that. Yeah, no, come... he, he was, I was reading some articles, he was an ex-soldier, wasn't he? Ex-soldier like as well, so, so he knows... He's used to having straps. He, he's used to having things pulled at him. So when he's done that, the only thing what pissed me off in court, he said I pulled the trigger. Yeah, I read that as well. I'm telling you from now, even though I've got a guilty or whatever for it, I didn't pull the trigger. I'm not going to shoot someone for 40 quid. Was it a real gun, Lou? Obviously. I don't, I can't even remember. And if you went on these things with a real gun, would you have it loaded with real things? Is 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 just a normal? Is just I don't know. It's I don't know. Really, yeah, yeah. It's a blank firearm. It's a toy gun. But like you said, you got sentenced for a real gun anyway. I got I got nine years. I got so I got what happened with that? They've gave me nine years for the gun. Yep. They've gave me sixteen years for the armed robbery. Um, to run uh, concurrent. Yep. And then they gave me an extra year on top. Uh, for the forty-five grand. So yep. I ended up with seventeen years altogether. That's crazy. Going back slightly though, so obviously on this day it's ended up going a little bit pear-shaped. You've ended up having to whack him up Mate, a little I've bit. had a full-on straightener with a guy. Crazy. I was mad because two weeks before the geezer who was doing it, he looked like fucking Dobby from Harry Potter. So I thought I'm going to have a right touch here and this fucking lumps guy on the car is like, here we fucking go. He's had a full-on straightener. He swung for me. I was dum dum dum. I managed to knock him out. 
and he's so big, he's fell on top of the money. I've had to do a deadlift to get him off the money and take the cassette. And then and then I've got back in the car. And what and was your the, Cody doing at this point? Was he in the car? Mate, he found it funny. So I've got back in the car, my Cody's looked at me and said, fucking hell, he almost had you. He thought it was funny. And like, I'm trying not to laugh. It's like, fucking hell, that was a bit of an hard work, that one. But he thought it was funny as fuck. And, um, and so you've ended up getting away then. You had obviously a stolen car, um, obviously ready for the thing. You've got away. Obviously, it's kind of a bit picked on, but you're thinking everything's cool. But I read that your Cody ended up getting nicked within a few hours, didn't he? He got nicked. Like, yeah, he got nicked that day. It's a mad one because I remember that night, that night I was sitting outside my mum's house and you know you, you can just tell something's going on. I see the dark blue vans pull up. I've walked in my mum's house, I knew what was about to go on. So I've walked in the house, I've just picked up my phone and I've gone straight out the back door. Because I know the police are coming through the front any time now. Literally got a call an hour later, um, yeah, the police are in the house. But by this time, they wasn't even asking for me anyway. They've nicked my, da uh, nicked my dad, whatever. And um, he's been taken in, Got he got bailed because there was literally no evidence really, apart from like an AMPR camera, something, uh, something like that. The AMPR cameras getting everyone. But so what was what was the AMPR? Sorry to interrupt you, Lewis. So was it the AMPR? Did you go there do some prep work in a normal car before so, this? Then the week or two. Yeah. So um, during that month, I'd got there in my own car. The, the AMPR camera what actually got me wasn't even in that area. It was like in a five mile radius of that area. So it had me driving my car, driving in convoy with the car that was used two weeks before. So that's what linked us with Fuck. that car. So if, if if they didn't have that, everything else would have just been very circumstantial evidence because they didn't even know what colour the arm rubber was. They said he was tall and slim. And although we didn't see what colour he was, we believe he was a white man. Mm. You could, my face was blacked out. You had no idea what colour it was. But they said, although we didn't see what colour he was, we believe he was a white man. Mm. I, I remember standing up in court and I said, I'm not being funny, but most of my black friends sound whiter than me. Like, like... What is that? And so your dad's been let out on bail. bail, and I'm guessing they must have been watching him like crazy. Did you? Did yeah, you, yeah. So you end up going to see your dad during that point, your family? Like, yeah, yeah, you? yeah. Obviously, went around seeing my dad or whatever. He was just saying, yeah, there's nothing, there's no evidence on us or whatever. It's not until three days later, I had an ongoing court case myself with one of my pals for one of them um, travel shops. Apparently, someone was trying to break into one of them. Um, them Bureau places. Yeah. So I was in court for that. And lucky enough, I got an NFA for that. It got thrown out of court. Nice. But when it was getting thrown out of court, there was armed police waiting for me outside the court. So um, I've looked behind me. I see the gun police already. So I've took my phone out of my pocket. I said, take that. Don't look at me. Just take my phone. He's took my phone. Uh, as I come out, the police just grabbed me, took me for questioning. And so how did they connect you? Was it the fact that your actual car had been seen next to the... Yeah, to the um, to the, um, the getaway car. And so you've been brought in, you've been questioned, that they're telling you, look, we believe you've done this with yes. your dad, and that obviously you've given it a no comment, I'm guessing. I've just got no comment. And you managed to get, you got bail as I well? Got, I was on bail for like nine months. I've returned about three times for bail every time. But every time I returned, they would have one more little, little bit of evidence. Mm. And so... Obviously, from reading the articles and stuff like this um, over the last few days, they were watching you like a hawk during these periods. They, was, they, they had you going into 
shops, designer shops, spending loads of money and stuff. They were going into shops after you they getting was, camera footage. They was following me into my gym. Um, they was following me along the roads. I used to record them. I knew I was being followed the whole time. And uh, one of the other times, it might even be on, on Google somewhere, but they followed me to Bista Village. I was in the Gucci outlet, buying myself some shoes, and I bought my um, my daughter some little Ralph Lauren dresses and that. They said I was spending thousands of pounds. It wasn't thousands of pounds. I spent 1,200 quid on me and the kids. <coughs> but yeah, they was taking little pictures and that from around um, when they followed me up there. Yeah, so how much did you um, get from the robberies? 45 grand got taken. 45 grand. And um, did it have the ink on it? Or do they have to press a button to let the ink off the officer? So if you get it at the right point, the security guards, if they won't. I think, do you know what? I'm not, they all got different ones. I think some of them, like if you shake the, shake the cassettes too much, they go off. Or if you come like six meters away from the geezer. I don't want to say too much because I feel like I'm going to incriminate myself. But yeah. I've been nicked for that one. I've been charged. I've done my time for that. So, But um, during those times then when you're on bail and they're rebailing, did you think they haven't got nothing? They haven't got nowhere near enough of me. I'm going to get off this. It's just an AMPR. Um, Mate, I was so basically, at, it was all reliant on this AMPR. That this was is, it. And they was looking at things. They took my laptop. And um, I, everyone enjoys watching things like Crime Watch and watching robberies. Everyone's interested in that. On my laptop, I was looking at robberies, like armed robberies, like jewelry shops being robbed. So that got used in evidence. And look, he was Googling jewelry shop robberies or cash and transit robberies. Um, and oh, it's, this is ridiculous as well. And he said, oh, look, Mr. Clark was even looking at the 10 best knockouts. I was watching Mike Tyson's best 10 knockouts. Yeah. That got used in evidence against me because they said I hit him with very direct punches. Absolutely stupid as hell. Crazy. And obviously it didn't go your way then. Um, it didn't go my way. I just remember when, when it came up to sentencing. But leading up to that then, obviously, were you thinking you were going to get off that? You'd obviously got off a couple of serious things before. Were you thinking you were going to definitely get off that one as well? Or were you thinking, I could go away for I a think, long time? I think more, I think it's more my old man's um, previous. He's got so many gun charges. What kind of, kind of fucked us up really? And a little NPR camera. So during that time leading up to um, the court case, were you trying to be as busy as possible in order to try and get some money put down? Like By this time, I'm a dad now. So I'm, I'm, I'm not doing nothing else apart from being, being a dad, doing all my night feeds, helping out my daughter's mother. I was just spending as much time as with her as I could because I kind of knew what was coming, to be honest. Even though it is all circumstantial bits of evidence. Like, like I was just thinking, you haven't found the gun. You haven't found the money. No DNA was found in the car that was used. You don't know what colour the arm robber was, although he was tall and slim and sounded like a white guy. I'm not tall, I'm five foot ten. I'm slim now, but at the time I was 16 stone, I was a lump. So the evidence was so weak. Literally an AMPR camera two weeks before and me spending money at Bista Village and my dad's and my previous got me guilty. And did you have a good lawyer at the time? Did he do a good job? He, he, I think he could have done a bit better. And um, so how quickly did the jury come back? I think they come back the same day, to be honest. After they went out, I was like, yeah, I'm done. I just didn't expect to get that long. Yeah, so talk to me about the court case then, uh, the court date on the day of sentencing then. Um, so you, this was at Guildford Crown Guildford Court. Guildford Crown Court, yeah. Critchlow. Uh, what's it? Judge Critchlow. I think he was in the Sun newspaper as well for handing out harsh sentences as well. He done me dirty. Like, for what I was in for, I was expecting to get like a 12, 
being the worst or like a 10 being a result. So when he said, Mr. Clark, please stand, I sentence you to 16 years. I, st- I-, I said, who me? I look behind me like he's made some sort of mistake here. My Cody's found it funny. It's like, they fucked you right over. And then he, because he's already got his eight and a half year life sentence. We got back downstairs. It's like, oh, well, at least we know what we got now. I'm thinking, fucking hell. It's like, he loves it. But, and then they took me back to court six months later and gave me an extra year on top for the money. Hell. So I paid some of it back as well, though. But you know when they first gave you the 16, did your legs turn to jelly when they said you that feeling more? No, I'll be honest. After, after did you feel I, like screaming in court? No, like after I got my 16-year sentence and I've got it out of me, I felt relaxed. I felt calm again. I thought, I know where I stand now. I know I've got to do eight years out of this. Where and did you get taken? I got went to high down. With your dad? Was he yeah. He come along with me, went to High Down, done like three, three and a bit years there. I was Jim Woodley there for a few years. We well. sold up together straight away. Yeah, for a little while. And then we um, got our singles. Yeah, and how was that sold up with your dad after that? He but... fucking doesn't stop. He's forever, he's just always laughing or doing some sort of pranks on me or something's always going on with him, you know. But it was a, it, I had a good time in High Down. I was Jim Woodley for like three years there. Like the gym staff and that proper, they looked after me and that. I had a good relationship with them. And then I went to uh, Coldenly after that. Done a year in Coldenly. That was crazy. Everyone so, was so what about like troubles? Like you say, you were quite a prominent gang member or from a prominent gang before going there. Um, and you said you end up bumping into people from the other mm. side, from Brixley yeah, yeah. the Hill. Um, and so what did it ever kick off or anything like that? Obviously there, London boys were sparks there, off Yeah, there was, there was one time when I was there on another wing and there was a fella... But I didn't recognise his face and I was with um, two of my other little friends from Brixton and there's like Lou you know my man's on that on that side so when I come over to that wing on Soch I've gone into the cell and my other two pals have got this geezer's head down the toilet and they're just rib shotting him I'm thinking that's pretty fucked up like I didn't even join in or nothing I just looked I thought you know what I'll leave you lot to it and I walked back to my so over to my hut he actually had his head down the toilet like rib shotting him fucking crazy isn't it poor little fucker Crazy. And um, so like you say, you're in the gym or uh, initially for the first couple of years, but did you, so did you end up having any fights and stuff with yourself, any drama or anything like this? I literally, this? in high down, I punched one person in the face. Like, um, is And what was this over? There was three fellas and they was trying to rush one of my other little parts. This wasn't even over no gang stuff. They was just trying to rush one of my friends. I see him running down the line. I said, why are you fucking running from these lot for? By this time, I'm a lump right now. They come running towards him. I've just stopped one of them. I just, I just clumped him. I just gave him a good clump and just put him on his bum. Um, like really, I shouldn't have even got involved. Lucky I've got a good friend, Victor, anyway, man. He looked after me for a few years. We spent about five years together on that sentence. And me and him went through a lot together on that, you know? And in terms of um, sort of being able to get through financially, were you, um, obviously I don't want you to incriminate yourself or anything like this, but would you be involved in the sort of drug trade or tobacco? Tobacco. Tobacco. Tobacco was, is, tobacco is the way forward in jail. Right now, tobacco, if you want to buy an ounce of tobacco in prison right now, £250. Where it's all gone smoke free in that, £250 for a pack of tobacco. Right. What's that for an ounce? Crazy. It's like a gold mine in there. It's a gold mine in prison for that sort of stuff. So, obviously, you've got the 17-year sentence now with the year added on. Your dad ended up getting a life sentence mm. as well. And, obviously, he, it wasn't any shock to him then getting this life. Or... No, he knew what he was getting. So, it was his third armed robbery by this his point. Third. Yeah, his third one. And, um, so, did you end up doing most of your sentence together? Did you no, get moved? so, after High Down, we split up. 
where he, he had to go and do a therapy course over at Grindon. It's like a therapeutic prison. Whereas yeah. I went to Coldly for a year. And then I got moved on to um, Only. Where how, how was Coldly though? <coughs> Coldly was sick. Getting friends in there, people yeah, you yeah. knew again. Yeah, that was, that was sick. I, me and my friend Victor was there. He's literally from my state. We used to just have laughs down the line and we'd train together. Drunk. We was drunk every single weekend. We'd have drink. Um, we had a good time there, but they moved me on. I was one of the unlucky ones. They started refurbishing my wing. And I was one of the unlucky ones who got uh, shipped out to Only because of it. And so you obviously managed to swerve a lot of the sort of trouble in jail, but were people getting stabbed and stuff like this? Was was there a person trouble? died in Coldly when I was there? Is it? He, he got stabbed to death. Yeah. And did you, what was this over? Did you know? Or? Um, I think the geezer was a bit of a bully, and he's he took his phone. He took the little mate his phone or something like that, and um, the geezer got stabbed on free flow and died. Crazy. Yeah, I don't know who done it or nothing, but I know he was, he got stabbed and died. Hmm. So. Like I said, it seems like from your mindset today, there was obviously a big change that happened to you on this recent sentence then. Obviously, you're in, you've been away for a long, long time. Yeah, and observing right. over eight and a half years, you've certainly come out with a different sort of mindset in there. And you're talking about, you're seeing other people from the other side, you're bumping into them day after day. Eventually, you think you end up chatting to them. And yeah, that's, so that's you how think, I went on. What is this about at a certain point? When I, when, I, when I got to Only, when I got moved on from Coley, I got to Only, and I got uh, moved on to um, Wing. it's called... It's like, this wing's got all double cells, and um, I was lucky because the staff always kept me single. So, yeah, thank you for that. They, le they left me single. But as soon as I got there, I remember looking up, and I was like, oh, my God, here we go. There's, like, six of them like from, like, Stockwell and Brixton. I knew their faces straight away. I was like, I'm just going to crack one of them. And as soon as I went upstairs, I just looked at him and said, do you want to fight me? Do you want to fight me? Do you want to fight me? And whereas I was a lump at this time, they was all looking at the floor. But as like the months and months went past, I had to see these kids every day. They're a bit younger than me, but I had to see them every day. After a while, they like, cool, so like, a little nod of the head, and then they'd be like, cool, bro. And then before we know it, started talking, and I actually got on with these fucking kids. And I'm just thinking, what, after all of these years of these mix-up, people dying, people getting life sentences, look at it, this guy's just like me. Like, he's a cool guy, he's funny, we're catching jokes every day. It's, it's just a fucking shame. It's a proper shame, man, the way things turn out. But what about your um, friends who are still in the streets in the gang stuff? And then you, they they do, A lot of them don't like it. When a few of them heard that I'm in prison and I'm on, on the same wing with these guys, they're like, why have you not moved to my man? Yep. My, my answer to that was, why haven't you visited me in the last six years? You want me to go and smack him up, but you've not even been to visit me in the last six years. That don't even make sense. So that was my answer to that, and I just shut, shut a couple of them up. And a few of the ones who actually got a bit of sense, they realised, yeah, do you know what, Lou's right, we ain't been to see him, but we expect this from him, you know? Yeah, so talk to me about how um, people forget about people when they're on these huge stretches then. Like, so yes, I'm sir. sure like after a year or so, I've seen people in there, and they said, mate, I've been in there for years, people, I've forgotten, mate, I can't you, ask no favour. I'm, I'm so glad I've got some really close friends like... Like, the same five people checked me from 2013 all the way to, two, I don't even know, what year, what year in, 22? Yeah, t t 22. The same five people done the whole sentence with me. Like, I have to I have to big them up, man, seriously. Mm. Proper looked after me, like, financially, like, Christmases, my door would be patterned. I'd be patterned in prison. I'd have money in my, in my savings all the time. Clothes. So yeah, I was kind of looked after, but some of the people I thought would be there wasn't. But I don't even know, hold no grudges. I still, I still love a lot of my friends, man. 
Yeah, sort of. Uh, everyone's misdirected, weren't they? Everyone's think... misdirected. I still, I still love lo loads of my friends. Everyone, everyone's got their own lives to live in. You know, they have got their own kids to be supporting. So, there ain't even no hard feelings like that. Of course. And so, talk to me about um, how difficult it was spending that time away from your daughter um, on yeah. eight and a half years. Was she coming to visit you um, consistently throughout this? Well, it started off good. The first like eighteen months were good. Like she'd visit me like every week. Um, and then it started every month, and then I started getting further out into these prisons that were in Birmingham and things like that. So it started becoming like once every month, then once every three months. But mate, it hit home. On my first visit, where my, my daughter's mum brought her up to see me, my little girl would have been two by now. She was walking and she could talk. When I see her, put a lump in my throat, but I couldn't, see, I couldn't let her see that. I was upset. I just remember at the end of the visit, my little girl said to me, you come home now, daddy. And she grabbed my little finger and fucking yeah that's even now this makes me want to tear up like fucked up man yeah it's yeah, terrible isn't yeah, it yeah them words have stuck with me forever you come home now daddy i was thinking my little baby but now yeah. I've, I've still got a good relationship with her now yeah it hurts to think about so um like you say you've ended up getting um moved further away from home you've ended up being going to places um like close to Birmingham was it then mm -hmm. which jail was this yeah, it's, um only it was in rugby um the jail was in rugby you don't have any problems obviously from being from down south or anything like this you or know you what sort of fit it in? it's mad even though it's up them ways it's, it's classed as a London prison so everyone from Wandsworth's going there from Scrubs from Brixton from Penteville they're all ending up at this one jail so um there was a lot of Tottenham boys in there like all like the little OFB ones like all of them, I actually got on with all of them as well. So big human up, they were, they were, they were proper. They were, it was mixed with bare different people in there. But there wouldn't be any sort of feuds between the London ones and the Brummie no, ones? No, there was then. no Brummie people in there whatsoever, literally Crazy. one. There was literally one Brummie in there. So similar to Bullenden then, when they sort of used that as a London over. Yeah, that's job, exactly they? what they was doing. And so, um, what about working and stuff like this? Did you manage to get on the gym? Yes, uh, job like only, I had it pretty cushy. I was um, red band, but I used to... Um, and what's red band then for people red who don't know? Red band where know? I can just, I can float around the whole of the jail. I can go wing to wing. And what was that for? Why were you able to do that? What um, job? They had me as the violence reduction rep, me and my friend Bouncer. So we used to just go around the whole whole jail. And obviously I can go, just go and see my pals on the wings and that. So I just use an excuse. I'm coming to sort of conflict out. Sometimes we would go and sort of conflict Moving out. Moving the bits more time though from wing to wing. Certain time, take a bit of tobacco over there or whatever. But um, nothing, nothing else. But... Um, and I used to work in a place where they used to do like the resolve courses, like offending behavior program. And um, I used to work with the staff in there. I was only cleaning in there, like just doing a bit of hoovering and that. But I actually got on really well with the staff in there, man. There's a, a woman in there called Bella, proper, like she proper looked after me while I was there. And, like she used to sit me down, you know, when I'm having them stress days, like she'd be there to come Fair and sit play. with me and that. So yeah. People um, that go above and beyond and actually yeah, cared. Yeah, she did, man. She proper cared. So yeah, definitely have to big up Bella, man. And so you just mentioned, um, with Bouncer, is it the Bouncer who's come out and become quite this, prominent? That's that's my other power Bouncer. This is TB, this is Tiny Bounce. Okay. So um, he's one of the guys who got nicked for the, the Honey Trap um, okay, murder, Jesus. If, if you remember yeah, that one yeah. years ago. So I think he's close to coming. He's done about 14 years now. Okay, and um, what about, because um, like you say, there's been a significant change in your mindset now. You're thinking, fuck the gang thing. You're missing your daughter. Did you do any courses in there? Were you thinking yeah. about doing any jobs? What jobs were you thinking about doing when you got out? And so I was doing, I've done a, an offending behavior program called uh, Resolve. And again, it was like the ETS program I'd done years ago, back in um, 2005. It's just um, knowing your red flags and knowing to say no to situations and that, you know? Yeah. And did you do any sort of um, 
Training courses? I've, any? I've done like a personal training level one and level two. Yep, brilliant. Um, I was meant to start the level three, but the COVID kicked in. But lucky enough, my good pal George has just got me on the level three. Brilliant. Shout out to George. Yeah, so he's got me on level three, so I'm going to crack on with that as well. And um, obviously, prison's a horrific place and that. Um, but did you manage to make any friends in there um, outside of your own yeah. circle and your own game? I made, you I've, I've made, made loads of friends. Well, not loads. I say five genuine friends who I'm in contact to this day, like who proper take time to come and check for me and stuff. And even there's some talented people that I've also been in prison with, like like Rimsey. I don't know if you know Rimsey, UK yep. rap, Dutch Chavelli, even Big Bounce. I know them two don't get on right now, but yep. um, I, I get on with all of these people. Like, it's just, There's some very talented people in prison. They're just sitting in there doing nothing. I'm thinking, you lot are wasted, but they've come out and absolutely smashed it. Mm. So it's, it's a good platform for other young kids. They can look at these people and think, do you know what? They've done some big sentences and look, look where they're at now. Yeah, I mean, like you say, you can always turn it around and do start doing stuff positive. Just don't waste those years away where you could have been doing the positive stuff mm. earlier um, and learn from other people's mistakes, you know? Yeah. So like you said, you ended up having... Did you end up getting to know Dutch Belly and Bouncer and Rimsey? Dutch, and, uh, Dutch was my next door in, um, in Coldenly. He's my next door. He's this... Be rapping, 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 rapping. Be like, Louis, what do you think of this one? I'd be like, please, just give me a break today. Was he was he known at them times for the yeah. rap? Or? Uh, I think so, because like, obviously his sister's uh, Steph London, isn't it? She's yep. like a big singer and that. But he was just literally next door, just banging his music, his instrumentals on repeat, just practicing and practicing his craft. But you got on, got on well with him, though? Yeah, I got on well with him, man. And a nice guy, so hopefully you guys can touch base now. That, hopefully uh, you get to link up with him soon, go and have a little chat. I know he's been a little stink around his name and that, but... And so what are your feelings then? Without going into the details about it, you've met the guy, you've seen what he's like. I mean, I met him um, recently. I went up and met him with uh, Tony Giles yeah, up in the studio. There was a lot of little rumours and that and little screenshots going around about him, but I think if, if it was that deep, why didn't the police come and nick him and interview him for, for whatever? There's been none of that. The police ain't been 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 in question him or anything. People are too quick to start throwing names around and accusations and that, you know. Of course. So um, yeah, like I say, shout out to Dutch, and then hopefully you guys can touch base again now that you're out, and mm. hopefully do some positive stuff now in the future. And so talking about um, someone else who smashed it from coming out of jail, Bounce has absolutely smashed it from coming Bounce out of jail, has and he's it. quite an, it's an inspirational story because he ended up doing a lot of time away as well. And he's come out and he's done great things. Like I said, I interviewed Little Man recently and he turned Little Man into a star, no doubt mm. about it. Um, whatever's going on between them at the moment, he did genuinely change he his did. life. Um, and so it's incredible the stuff that he's doing. Um, so talk to me about what Bouncer was like in, inside of that. Did you Bouncer, know what he was going to do? I knew what he was coming with. I knew what Bouncer was coming with. He used to have this little black book. He used to write all these little ideas in. At the time, I used to think, shut up, Bounce, man. But he, he knew what he was doing. He's a very intelligent guy. He's, he knows exactly what he's doing. Like, me and him had a good relationship. We used to play fight all the time. He used to try and say he had me up, but please believe I had you up, Bounce, so don't ever try that with me, yeah? We used to have little rumbles and that. Um, but yeah, me and him proper get on. Even to this day, we're in contact with each other. And so when you saw him, obviously, he came out a long time before you. When you saw him come out and the way he smashed it... It gassed me. It motivated me. It just shows, like, people from our sort of backgrounds... There's still time for us to like make something of ourselves and that, you know. He's got some massive platform now of his wicked and bad promotions. I'd love to go and box on one of his shows. As soon as the shoulders bounce, get out of me, I'm on it. Like, well, like I said, we're going to blow your name up. Everyone's, you've got a crazy story, so we're going to get you on some big platforms moving forward. And then obviously we're going to get you involved in some of these fights, you know. I need to get, I need to get on it. 
I need to get on it. I don't know the anxiety is still a bit mad, even though as I'm talking to you, the anxiety is just all a bit mad and that, but we're working on it, man. Of course. Well, you've done unbelievably today, Lou. Um, so eventually, obviously, you've managed to get to DCAT. Is that correct? Like, how deep into your sentence did you get to the DCAT? So then? DCAT, I got DCAT for my last 15 months of my sentence. So I was in um, a DCAT called Spring Hill up in um, Oxford, Asbury Ways. And so, didn't your dad end up getting moved there as well? Yeah, dad, dad, dad ended so up, up relinking. Yeah, dad ended up getting there as well. So we banged up together for a little while there. Then we both managed to get our single cells again, and um, yeah, it's decent. It's, it's a decent little job, but I didn't get much out of it. Reason being, due to COVID, I didn't get no um, home leaves. Um, I had ten town visits, for like six hours. I was allowed out on a weekend every two weeks. Um, there was no gym while I was there. Because obviously we couldn't share the, um, yeah. the gym equipment. Um, but you managed to keep yourself in really good shape. You come oh, yeah. out in good shape. I saw we, you doing, making the best of it, doing some outdoor workouts yeah, and stuff like this. As a little hut, and like, we all used to train outside on a Wednesday. We call it America. Like everyone just doing some mad burpee workouts. Crazy workouts. Every Wednesday. I think I've got some footage somewhere. I'm put some of them up. Like, yeah, listen, I'll give, you, I'll give you some of the footage on that. Um, without beating a few people up. But um, yeah, I've got some footage on that. And so you've ended up spending 50 months there, sort of a slight adjustment, but obviously not as much as what you would have been able to because no home leaves through the COVID times and stuff like this. Um, you've ended up being released from there after eight and a half years away. Mm. And um, so talk to me about your feelings. You've only been out for, how long have you been out at this point? Like about just, six weeks or something? Yeah, I've come out in the 9th of December. 9th of December, not even that, yeah. So five weeks you've been out. And so mm. talk to me about what must be insane coming out then. It's absolutely, it's, it's been absolutely, it's been overwhelming. The amount of love and support I've had on Instagram and stuff, it's been so overwhelming. Like, I remember putting up a post on the day I was out, I got like nearly 500 comments, like just to say welcome home and stuff. But it's more of like the anxiety things what's been going on now. You know, like the smallest of things, like having a job centre appointment. That gave me a sleepless night, knowing I have to go to the job centre in the morning. I couldn't sleep for the whole night, or knowing I got probation tomorrow, or knowing I got disappointment. It's just them little small things. I'm thinking I'm just going to turn my phone off and switch off from the world. Yeah. So it's them. These are the things I'm. You're going to adjust. Lee. Work, you're I'm adjust. working on, man. You're going to adjust, and you're going to do well. Like I said, you come out with the right sort of mindset this time. You're not involved in the gangs, or looking to be involved in the gangs, or any trouble or anything like this. And what's been great, you've been spending a lot of time with your daughter and that. Yeah. You said you come out. Yeah, yeah, I've been spending as much. At the moment, I'm on curfew, so I'm limited to how many hours I can spend with my daughter. Yeah. So I literally have her for a few hours after school. But every Sunday, we do our little thing. We go over Batsy Park. She, right? I taught her to ride a bike. She never knew how to ride a bike before. So she's 10 years old, and I taught her to ride a bike. So I'm mad proud of that. And she's doing well, man. She's doing well. She'll be doing wheelies and all that soon. She's doing well, man. So like I said, obviously, you're on the straight and narrow. There's not going to be any more times away from her or anything like this. You're doing positive stuff now. Um, and so for people out there, you really need to support Lewis. Um, jump onto his Instagram. There's going to be lots of stuff on there talking about what he's going up to in the future. He's going to be starting a YouTube channel as well. There's going to be concentrate mainly on fitness sort of stuff. Yeah, maybe Lots of interviews with uh, prominent rappers, sportsmen, um, street characters that have changed their ways, influencers. It's going to be insane. Lewis is fit as a fiddle and he's an unbelievable machine in the gym. So guys, um, we're going to be showing a lot of that sort of stuff out. There's going to be a lot of stuff on the channel when Lewis does all this sort of stuff. And I just need you guys to support him as best as you can. And um, this is someone who's trying to change their ways and going to get in the straight and narrow and he's going to do lots of positive stuff. So Lewis, um, you've obviously mentioned these people that obviously helped you through your sentence massively. Yeah. Um, is there anyone you'd like to give a shout out to at this point? Definitely have to shout out the Turks. Shout out Zia, Ozzy, Ziggy, Badge, 
Blade. Yeah, man, you lot looked after me, so I appreciate you lot, man. So, yeah, shout out to the people that obviously held him down. It's easy to forget about people when they're on such long stretches. And um, can you tell people your social medias, where there's going to be lots of people who are going to want to reach out to you and touch base with you. And so, Instagram? Yeah, find me on Instagram at uh, BigLew, B-I-G-L-E-W-P-M. Yeah. And hopefully the YouTube channel will be up and running very soon. So make sure you get at me and follow me, mum. So get him, get on his Insta, and then you'll know as soon as the YouTube stuff comes out. Also, Lewis is going to be on some massive platforms um, coming up in the next few weeks and months. Obviously, we don't want to spoil them by um, by saying which ones, but there will be a lot of stuff. I'll be promoting Lewis through my Insta and then on the YouTube page as well. And there's going to be lots and lots of uh, stuff going forward, positive stuff. Mm. So I can't wait to see some of the, the gym stuff and the YouTube stuff moving forward. But, um, and what about books and stuff, Lou? Like, you've got a crazy story. Have you ever thought yeah, about doing a book? I'm thinking about doing a book, definitely, because there's a lot of untold stories what I think I'm book, not, book I'm not really be. gone into today, but maybe I'm going to get a book, a little book ready for the next in the next couple of years or so. Well, book would be insane, um, I think, and I'd definitely love to read it. But um, we're definitely going to need you to come back on for a part two at some point as well. Yeah. So let's get some of this stuff out of the way for you, and then um, it'd be great to get you back on, Lou. Yeah. But I'd like to say um, a big thank you for the opportunity today. Um, I know the audience is going to love this and I'd say well done for obviously getting through that sentence and being in the mindset you got and obviously looking to do the right thing now, Lewis. Uh, well mm. done and good luck moving forward. Yeah, I appreciate that. Look out for big new gym bars coming soon, man. Perfect. Perfect.